Straight Jack, episode 25. What we do at Straight Jack, we review three films. The first film is a new release. Off the back of that, we then have a pre and a post 2000 selection. James, what film and theme have you gone for this week? I have gone for John Wick 2 with the theme of sequels. So John Wick 2 is unsurprisingly about John Wick, who, for those of you who have seen the original, or even if you haven't, is a, uh, what can only be described as a super assassin, who has recently retired, but bizarrely, in, in, a, in a, a real twist that I, you know, I haven't seen before, just when he thought he was out, someone has come into his life and pulled him back in again. <sighs> Such a shame. I know. What a setup. What an innovative setup. So the first one was really good, wasn't it? The first one felt fresh and different and... Innovative. Innovative. It just, I don't know if it was down to... Uh, it was more thoughtful and it wasn't all reliant on explosions, but the it felt... I'm not someone that plays a lot of first-person shooter video games, but the first one, the combat style, the way the camera sort of followed him squ- pretty much square on, say, from his back, and the way he just dispatched people, like, da, 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 and the sound effects was fantastic and it felt good. Like, really entertaining exactly what you want. This one, a little bit longer, and they've gone with bigger is better, slightly bigger budget, an extra 10 mil on there, and they've just gone... Okay, we're just going to go to these European locations. We're going to have extra explosions. We're going to have a lot more, but a pro- probably a higher body count, very similar. Um, and for the most part, it succeeds, I would say, in what it's in that, in what it's trying to do. It was very much more of the same, wasn't it? Yeah. And for me, that got very tiresome. I was okay with the two hours watching the, the first John Wick, hmm. but having to watch, not the same film, but the same, it was, there was a cycle. John Wick questioning his life and morality and all this death going on around him. There was a big action sequence. Then there was a meeting with some sort of like semi-boss, big boss, you know, at the, yeah. end, at the end of a level <laughs> who like bestow a couple of bits of wisdom on him, you know, a couple of fortune cookie quotes. And then it just rinsed and repeated that for two over two hours yeah. as well. And it just got very tiresome very quickly. And if, if the first hadn't existed, maybe it wouldn't have. But to me, it dragged and it did feel very boring. That's the important thing, I think, here. The important comment is that the first film did happen. The first film was great. But now that you've seen that and it's that again and and just elongated, it just doesn't feel fresh like the first one. It doesn't feel vibrant and fun. It just feels, yeah, just a bit of a rehash. Uh, What about you, James? Yeah, no, I think think we all seem to be of the same opinion with this one I think the, the first or the first and second one uh, I suppose are directed by former I think they're former stunt doubles or, or they are I think I think they might be former stunt doubles or they're, they're certainly for former stunt coordinators and, and stunt men and they, they certainly try and get that across that that just the, the sheer intensity of the action and, and everything that's going on around them it does things other films don't typically do where it kind of follows the action it doesn't cut it doesn't edit it kind of follows the the protagonist fighting and and doing it in in what in the first one I thought was a bit more of an impromptu spontaneous fight in the second one I felt came a bit more choreographed and you kind of it was kind of like Assassin's Creed where they just have the same finisher every single time you just kind of flip them over mm. and, it, and it did get a little bit monotonous I think the, the thing that the first one had is it was building the mythology of John Wick there's like a couple of great quotes in there one of them which is like he's the man you get to kill the boogeyman so there is this mythology around and this mystique around John Wick, and it builds up really well, kind of before you even see him, or you properly see him in action, you kind of get this idea, this 
enigma of John Wick and, yeah. and how brutal he is. Even and it builds that, such, even though he's got such a normal name. Exactly, yeah. But but it, they build it really really well. And, and in the first one, that that serves the, the the film perfectly. But then the second film has to deal with most people anyway, knowing him, knowing all of that mythology around it. And whilst the second one tries to reintroduce it in a way that any newbies to the I was going to say franchise then, but anyone who hasn't seen the original can kind of just get straight into the action. But it is a, you know, it is a revenge story. It, in my opinion, he does go slightly over the top with, with some of his reactions. I mean, in the first one, they killed his dog. In the second one, I said in the second one, he... He's, oh, they wreck his car, mate. Yeah, no, valid point, valid point. In the second one, he, he's tied to this, and again, this builds the mythology of this assassin world, of this marker. He is given this marker as a sign of his promise that if this person ever wants him to do a job John Wick will will oblige even and then even though he's retired this guy comes a knocking and John Wick just because of the the integrity of the man and the integrity of that fraternity he has to follow through and he has to do it so it's kind of it's a bit cheesy but it kind of does get you into the to the story I like I like the premise I yeah, like the setup yeah. it, for me in both films and in particularly the second one the dialogue is 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 terrible and Keanu's delivery of that dialogue is proportionately terrible yeah <laughs> i mean he has he is he now just a, an action movie star like when you look back on his career is he just going to be remembered for this i suppose a certain generation will remember Speed, for, his, yeah. for his early stuff like all the coming of age films where and all the like silly comedies where, where he was like, oh, yeah, really floppy hair and he was quite goofy and then he, he obviously and post yeah, matrix bill and ted and but yeah his latter career post matrix has all been pretty much action he's still doing it you do see it's quite amusing the way he sort of hobbles like that it's in is it in Rome and he's sort of like is it in a catacomb he's kind of yeah. he's, he's just I, keeps going he does look like he's really having to drag himself along because in reality he's what in his 50s now Yeah. and I think he's certainly you can tell that physically everyone's sort of darting about and sort of falling at his feet you know very much like um, Alexander Kleb when obviously he would run <laughs> <laughs> run, run at defenders. You know they just fall like dominoes. Well, so, him or, or Yossi Ben Ayoun. I mean, yeah, really, really, like, interchangeable, aren't they? Two, really? two of yeah. the greats. But... Are you paid to force football quotes into this? Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> it it's a game of two sides. But I, I think the wooden dialogue. I think that's all part of the course, and I think there is still like some hilarity and yeah, the amount of times in the two films he's had to cement over his his basement <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was yeah. really gratifying like he does a really good job does John Wick like he doesn't just Never stop he you know he smooths it out nice but no I think there's enough here that after a little while you're like okay had it been three years since the first film a lot but it's only been what a year and a half maybe? yeah it's certainly been it felt I was seeing that at the time it felt again like oh we're back here and the opening scene was really was it was a, a good introduction, but once it settled in to the cycle, yeah, I think it just business as usual and didn't offer enough to warrant. And unlike obviously some of the other sequels we'll get onto, they don't quite push the franchise further. I think you're right though. I think it's a film that would, it's a franchise that would benefit a lot from nostalgia. As mm. far, if this film had come out a few years later, that the fact they bring up the fact that he once killed a man with a pencil yeah. again and then they say it again and then he actually kills a man with a pencil would be quite cool but because it just feels we're going to ram this down their throat because it was a really cool thing from the first and there's going to be a third and it'll probably be out next Christmas and yeah. it'll probably do quite well but I, yeah it's one of those that you can probably see the line of dithering 
quality. There is abso- absolutely no point in this film did I think he was in any danger. No. That, that's a big issue. I had that as well, that it still does that cliche of everyone else being rubbish. <clears throat> yeah. And and I know that builds the character of John Wick just being miles ahead of everyone else. But what it mm. does mean is that exactly as you said there, you never feel any threat in this film at all. Can we also comment on the really weird train station sequence where they're shooting at each shooting other? Shooting each other discreetly. <laughs> <Really> <laughs> discreetly. Yeah. And it's like, they're just walking along. <laughs> loads, of, loads of commuters on their way to work or wherever. And then they're just kind of underneath their jackets, just like yeah. it's like they're swearing at each other in class, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, under the table, <laughs> yeah, just trying to make sure the teacher doesn't notice. But, but they're actually shooting each other. But that's just, fun. That's but, no, yeah. I like that. And he reloads as well in this film, which you very rarely see in a film yeah. where the action hero actually empties his clip and and has to reload. So often you see in films where someone's got like a a revolver. And somehow they fire about 60 bullets when actually there's only about six chambers for them to actually... So that I like... And I know it sounds like it's just a small little thing. But then also there's, as we probably have all seen, the, the clips that went viral of him going around that, that gun range. The fire As in Keanu going around the gun range. And, and it kind of adds to the... I suppose the authenticity that everyone talks about with this film. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. For those assassins out there who are watching the <laughs> film, they, I bet they love it um, <laughs> because of supposedly how realistic it is you know in terms of his fighting style and um uh, and all of that comes so you've already mentioned the catacombs bit i loved that that's i appreciate the that station scene was bizarre <laughs> but i really thought the catacombs was. kind of set piece for lack of a better phrase really i thought was was really good and it is relatively stylistic i think for me the action is great and we've already talked about a couple of the faults in the action but i think this film isn't necessarily set apart from other action films but i think for me the action is what makes this a uh, still a watchable film which i enjoyed and i would happily watch again mm. feel like it's a cut of, like i wouldn't go and watch like there's a new jamie fox or denzel washington action film being advertised at halftime in the football like every like and you know they're going for a certain audience and there's like then they they are the same film again and again and again mm. and not making any effort to try and they know that the idiots will turn up irrespective i think at least with john wick and where this franchise has been and where it's going like at least they've seemed to have given it some thought of trying to do something a little bit different and to get us who probably aren't their audience typically to go and to go and watch both and to i certainly went away from both you know the previous more so than this but perfectly satisfied i knew what i was going in what i was getting in for and for the most part i got that i was just a little bit uh yeah with this one that i didn't get anything didn't get more but I think it did that classic thing that all sequels do where they, they take it to a new location. So it says, you know, we've done, we're not going to change the story, really. We're not going to change what happens. But if we put it in a different location, then people won't realise that this is just <laughs> kind of the same story. <laughs> and you can kind of see through that. But it did mean that it, it, it facilitated the best joke where John Wick arrives in Rome and someone says to him very quietly, you're not here to assassinate the Pope, are you? And I thought that was a, like, <laughs> this film has got so many opportunities to be really, really funny and it misses pretty much every single one. Mm. But that bit I but thought was, yeah. was, was good and it was kind of justified there. But that's one of my biggest issues with it is that it kind of seems to be stuck between two stools of being this cult classic which has you know there's there's a bit of there's a bit of fun in there as well which it does have but there's no comedy there there isn't enough comedy it kind of feels like this film could have more jokes quips one-liners at the end of and zingers but it oh, totally it, it never it, it either tries them and fails mm. or it doesn't even try them but then it doesn't quite manifest itself as a very straight 
action it's kind of stuck somewhere between those and they're not the two extremes but if, if you have a spectrum of one those two at either end it kind of fits somewhere in the middle and therefore I, I couldn't really get as on board with it as I would have liked if you were to put a rating on that James I would give it a, I would give it a three yeah I think it's um, it, it's good enough it's not necessarily an improvement on the first which a lot of reviewers were saying it was uh, I think it's pretty much treads the, the the same ground but it is still fun it's relative to what I was expecting going into it and it and it hit everything that I would have expected it to have done so can't give it anything other than a three uh, not one to be influenced by Rotten Tomatoes. It's got like 96, 97%, yeah. which is absurd. Don't get I'm, me started. I'm, <laughs> I'm going for a, a light three as well. It's there. It's fine. I didn't not enjoy the two hours, but I wasn't blown, blown away. But yeah, three stars. I think it's a, it's a solid two. It's two no more and no less for two. me. I think that's a bit harsh. There were, there were, like, there were too many lows that outweigh the highs I think pr- the first one's probably a three maybe a four and this is I think the far first one's worse. a four can we also just before we move on uh, talk this is the second film in very few months with unexpected Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> as a homeless man I knew, I knew he was in it simply because uh, okay. a lot of people were bigging up this This is the first time they've been together since Matrix oh yeah uh, okay. Um, so that, that did get a, b- a bit of press <clears throat> what was the buzz, but... when did Lawrence pop up before Passengers. Oh God, yeah. What a role that was. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Yeah. Sorry, block that his his that career moment. has gone from strength to strength, really, hasn't mm. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ever since I saw him in Apocalypse, now I knew he was going to be a star. He's got it. Yeah. Which leads us on to our post two thousand selection by Robbie, which was Infernal Affairs two. Nice. Infernal Affairs two is a prequel sequel, or is it a sequel prequel? It's just a prequel, isn't it? Prequel, sequel. It's a prequel, but it is a sequel to the first film. Yeah. But so it's yeah. just a prequel, still a prequel. Yeah. So this is gonna be quite hard to do because I still don't understand it. The film begins with a mole within the triads uh, shooting the the sort the Godfather of the triads, and the film outlines the backlash that this has amongst the hierarchy of the triads, as well as how the police are dealing with the death. Did you guys enjoy Infernal Affairs too? Yeah, it was good. It was it was good. I mean, I I I can't remember when I watched Infernal Affairs, but I watched it with a lot of these films. I hadn't seen the original, so I had to watch both at the same time. Mm. This film, I I didn't rewatch really Infernal Affairs, which I'd probably seen in probably only last year, to be fair. So not not too long before, but I suppose it meant that it wasn't quite as fresh in my mind and the same characters and the little nods. I can't kind of kept having to refer back to Wikipedia just to make sure I. I was understanding what I what I should be understanding. It's strange because for me, prequels usually show kind of the start of something. But obviously, this is talking about the triads, which have been around long since Infernal Affairs, long since Infernal Affairs Two, kind of thing. They they they. It's not showing the start of the triads. It's really just showing how Infernal Affairs came to be, which is a bit of a weird way yeah. to do it. I suppose it showed actually it showed the start of um, is it Lao yeah. Lao's story, which it I suppose is. is actually the inn. I Great suppose memory. that's the. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that that's our that's our in that's I suppose our our gateway to actually understanding this film and where it's going. But it, it does rely on you having knowledge of the first. Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. Unlike a lot of sequels, I mean, even John Wick, you could probably watch without watching the first. But yeah. I would say that if you haven't seen the first Infernal Affairs, this is of no interest to you whatsoever. And also, you, you, you wouldn't know who Lau is. You want to see the no. first one to see if you like. 
this kind of thing. Yeah, true. Because it, it, again, it is just a subpar version of the first. I didn't realise this until afterwards. It, Infernal Affairs was a standalone film, mm. but because of the success of it, they've padded it out with only, a second and Only third. a year later, right? Yeah, this and it, one. it definitely feels like it to me. That's what I sometimes. That's what I try and think of, and it's difficult when you watch sequels or, or prequels. You try and say, could this work as a standalone film? And not all sequels or prequels should, because you know, the Two Towers, for example, Lord of the Rings Two Towers probably wouldn't work because you always knew it was part of three films. But this one, which sounds like it was a bit impromptu, it was never really planned. It just because of the success of the first one, I think does this work as a standalone film? It probably does, but you would rely heavily on people being very laissez-faire about understanding exposition and everything that happened because you wouldn't you literally wouldn't know who Lau is. I mean mm. he's the main character, but you would have no idea of the meaning of him being in this position. There's there's very limited exposition with him and very little police interaction, considering he's <laughs> supposed to be the mole. Yeah, it, yeah, there's yeah. there's never there's very little police interaction with him. It's also really weird because I don't quite understand. Yeah, the, the cop who who's undercover, who, who's an undercover triad it just goes missing for days. Like, and then he comes back <laughs> in and he's promoted. It. I'm thinking, what's this? How have they, what's going on <laughs> What's here? he been up to? Yeah. So much corruption. How has there not been any, you know, alert, how has that not alerted any suspicion yeah. within the police that this guy just goes missing for days? Just went on a bender. And then rocks up. <laughs> and the fact that they recast the two that are central in Infernal Affairs 1, mm. so it's not the same actors as well. So even if you have seen the first one, the different actors, so it makes it even more confusing trying to follow they, on they're, their story yeah, they're, they're saying them by name but there are a lot there are a lot of names being both of the films I think you know they're, they're both very dense there is a lot of characters there are a lot of characters and yeah. try, it, and obviously you're quickly flicking between okay so they're oh they're wearing a police uniform but they're actually and they're wearing that but they're actually and mm. trying to in your head going and they're both about two hours long aren't they and you're just going oh my goodness who on earth <laughs> What is what is going on here? But you, there are. Whereas the sequel, the John Wick sequel, tries to go for bigger and better. I think that it was smart of this to go back, and the action scenes in here they're not really going for big or over the top or trying to surprise you. It's all very. It's more about who's being killed or doing the killing as opposed to just John Wick running through just getting rid of 20, 30 unnamed people. It seems, it seems way more considered here. As in the implications of death. The implications of it seems like death actually matters. Whereas yeah. John Wick, it's like, who, who cares? Another, mm. another masked person has gone down. But yeah. I think that's fair. I think the thing is as well with something so, character, like you say, character dense, is it, would that be the correct term? Character like, driven. Driven. Something that's it's so important you know who everyone is. Mm. And because there's so many characters, it's the cast is extensive. It's so yeah. hard to, and it's jumping forwards through time yeah. continually. <laughs> it's really but, trying to catch you up. Yeah, and be, because we haven't seen, at least I hadn't seen any of the actors before. At least with the Departed, the English remake of the first, you kind of um, you can just go. Oh, it's, it's Matt Damon, or oh, it's Leonardo DiCaprio, can't you? But when you're not in first name terms with the leads, exactly, it's, it's hard. It does make it. More and difficult. with the subtitles as well, I suppose you are. Concentration-wise, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. difficult to continually flick between reading mm. and kind of understanding what's going on on screen. Whereas, obviously, if it's your own language, you kind of, which is always seems, I always find that as a as a bit of a problem. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's very similar tonally to the first one mm-hmm. and the first one, which is so 
part of the enjoyment, although it was you know, at times trying to keep up. So, so and so people were, were killing others, and you sort of by the time you got to the next scene, you kind of understood the implication because you saw how those actors were behaving. And there were just little quiet moments and some real interesting gangland characters that maybe you had seen before, but I don't know. Yeah, I just thought it was uh, very just very enjoyable. I, I, I thought it came, uh, like we were saying about uh, John Wick taking the first and going further with it, I did feel at times it went twists within twists within twists and it did get a bit ridiculous mm. with the same the theme which they ran like really ran down your throat the, the same strings over and over again every time there's a twist just gets a bit of a joke after a while for me and also because you know it, with, it's always the danger of prequels because you know how everyone's going to end up if there's a new character they're going to somehow go missing by the the next film yeah that's the, true the former film and if there's old characters you know they're going to still be in the next film or at least where they start off in the next film so it, it's 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 quite. I found it quite hard to retain interest because I already knew the destination. Well, it's good because you knew it was a prequel, so you had that. <laughs> I had no flipping idea. So <laughs> I took it for what it was and had a had a great time. I think for for me, it's the one of the greatest things about the the first the first film was the the tension between Chen and Lao and the dramatic irony that we knew who they both were. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I feel the same about the Departed as well, you know. And I suppose that's you know you, you would do really, but yeah, the tension between those two and um, uh, and yeah, and the irony of us knowing the the audience knowing, but those guys not knowing, you know, the the identity really of, of each other. And it, and this film can't quite wangle Chen into the story, but it does manage to to kind of throw Lau in there. And I think this film is and the the thing that I not necessarily disliked, but I didn't like as much as in the original is this is much less about undercover. I thought anyway, uh, and was more, it, it, it kind of, you've already used the word, it knows the destination of Infernal Affairs 1, it knows where it needs to get to, and this film was pretty much just painting the context of how we get there, so I kind of think it, it, it really, it relied heavily on the original, and I think sequels should not necessarily try and stand alone, but not tie and ride on the coattails too much of of the predecessor maybe because the first one was so successful they had to make sure that they tied made as many ties and and made it as 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 cleanly cut as possible to to get the same audience i suppose that that had seen the original i don't know but i didn't think that i certainly didn't think that that worked in its favor i think the the one thing that i think we've already talked about some of the action scenes but also there's a particularly good use of old lang syne as well after like it's over it's either over or, or after a montage of assassinations, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. That was really great, but then the flip side is there was this really weird... I don't know what versions you had, but the version I had, there was this really weird, patriotic, like, nationalistic vibe to the ending. It was really strange. Like, all about this independence, and and it went in into a direction that kind of felt a little bit bizarre. Either way, it's a three. Next. Uh, three. Fur. It's a two for me again, unfortunately, oh, just because nothing's changed. It was I, I just found it too confusing. And <coughs> it's nowhere near as good as the original. Harsh but fair. Was not entertained. So you know, on to the one we've all been waiting for. The final selection from this week uh, is Sam Raimi's 1987 horror comedy masterpiece. Evil Dead 2. Masterpiece. Evil Dead 2 is the story of Bruce Campbell 
uh, play, <laughs> himself. Play, <laughs> playing himself, playing the playing the character of Ash, who takes his girlfriend for a romantic trip to a lo- quiet log cabin in the woods for a romantic getaway. But before too long, of course, she reads the transcribed pages of the Necronomicon. The spirits come through the woods. They come together, and that and that, amongst many other things, including his own hand become obstacles that he must overcome over the next enthralling, wholly entertaining and endlessly inventive 87 minutes. Do we all think it's the best? It's not only is it is it the landmark horror comedy, but it, it it's, is that a thing? it's it's it created okay. it pretty much set the blueprint for cabins in woodses, horror comedy. And for the low budget effects as well, like it's 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 groundbreaking, it's genius. Stunning low budget effects. It's next level. Really, and really is... good. I'm not I'm not sure if I kinda of bought into them because I was fully aware of how low budget they were, or if they just looked really, really good. Well, they look significantly better than Evil Dead One. I mean that, that, <laughs> I mean that's that's not setting a high benchmark, how? but Evil Dead One was basically plasticine <laughs> Barbie does yeah. that was, but that was shot on weekends on yeah. a, a, over a, a, a while getting defensive already edited <laughs> by Ethan Coe but yeah obviously I mean it is whereas Evil Dead put it in a little bit more context Evil Dead 1 they tried to make an all out horror Evil Dead 3 Army of Darkness is an all out comedy Evil Dead 2 sits perfectly balanced in the middle blending elements of pure terror I spoke to my mum on the phone earlier and she said that she couldn't watch get much further with it because she thought it was really scary so someone found it scary <laughs> this was this was a while ago i did i did too a hundred percent did where the i mean the opening like 20 minutes half hour you're kind of like oh, okay i see where this is going this is you know it's, it's dated it's it's really cheesy really hammy and i know exactly what i'm gonna get from this film and then then her mother's in the basement and, and she's singing and the camera's slowly panning round because you don't know where the singing's coming from. And I was genuinely like, oh God, well, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then it's just, there's, all their eyes sort of go, that Rosemary's baby eye where they, they're seeing things and you have no idea what they're seeing. Oh, and it's just... I'm going to insert F word, your daughter in hell. <laughs> like, just... And her face just turns into a complete... Oh, no. It... Right, look, look, there's a... Pink elephant in the room, and his name is James. <laughs> James, you're doing a face, mate. No, no, no. What's going on? No, What's going on? I think, What's going on? No, 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 no. No, I think, just confess. Uh, no. Confess I, your I, sins. I, I recognise the difference in tone, you know, from the first one. Yeah. Um, I can't say I necessarily laughed at any point. Um, there are some lows. There are some. No, there, there, I can recognise there were some moments when they were. It was funny, but I don't think I ever, you know, actually okay. laughed out loud. I think there's there's a few you know there's that whole um, kind of that Call of Duty survival mode feel to it, which I appreciate. I'm sure it's blasphemous <laughs> comparing it to a video game, but there's even that chalk outline of where the weapon should be, which was in mm-hmm. the Call of Duty survival mode. The Barbie reattaching that's what they, that's and what, all that stuff. That's what that's what people do though in um, sheds, so they know where to put stuff. That is that is a thing. I well I clearly do more DIY than I do because <laughs> that's, that's not something <laughs> I've ever seen before. And the hand trapped under the books. And you know, and then the hand moves, and, and yeah, managed to escape from because little... he thought the books would do it, yeah. but evidently not. Because no, and very creative. Um, but it does turn him into more of an action hero because in the first film he's kind of like the survivor, isn't he? Yeah, he's not really a hero, but in the first film he's kind of a survivor. He's not that much of a distinct. He is slightly more distinguished yeah. than the others, but whereas in this one it, he's you know he's very much standard. Saw his he's, potential. He's so. maybe yeah. As an actor, Even, isn't he the producer? 
producer as well. Well, you know, they're all, yeah. up. Um, they're all in on it. But yeah, he's turned into more of an action figure and a survivor. And I'll be honest, there are some cracking visual stylistic moments to this. There's the bit where... Blood and light bulb. Blood on the light bulb, correct. That's brilliant. Yeah, that was one of them. Absolutely There was another one with the mirror, a bit like Contact. Yeah. Not not as creative as Contact, but there was a bit of a scary bit with the mirror. And then also the tracking shot when, you know, the camera effectively, but it's obviously it's representing something, it's kind of following him through. And he's kind of going through all these kind of, it's it's chasing him and he's trying to get through all these nooks and crannies and, and kind of cracks in the in the building and trying to scurry and find his way out almost like this maze and mm. it and it never breaks, it just follows him the whole way, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. So there are I, I completely agree there are some fantastic things about about this film. Let's stick with the fantastic No there are I don't really have I don't really have many many I don't think I have any negatives. I think for me, when I think about sequels, so often you people will laugh at a sequel because it's that bad. So how do you get them to stop laughing at it? Mm. Make them make them laugh with it, and that's what it did. Mm-hmm. It said, "You know what? Completely forego any a, any potential for people to to not like this film. Let's completely change the tone. Let's let's make people have a completely different. Let's do something unexpected." Number forty nine on Empire's five hundred greatest films of all time, as voted for by public directors. I mean, it, critically and. I mean, look, that's that's not an opinion. That's not. I know that's not valid, but I think just the sheer like that the tracking shots you were saying. I think a lot of were done with like little uh, fishing fishing wires and um, all of those silly little things. That I think it it's the culminate each individual little effect. You go, oh, that's quite clever. Or that's quite you know, lighting a light bulb. That's quite fun. And an ex girlfriend without a head running with a chainsaw. Like it's it's oh it's just but it's it's the culmination of those up until the finale where mm. I, I mean we no spoilers, but the ending to this film is so you obviously Ludicrous. Had, if any of you say that you saw that coming, <laughs> you're a flipping liar. Do you want to borrow Army of Darkness, James? That's where it's all set in the medieval times. No, you know what, I'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the thing it's just so strong I mean I've watched this film over <clears throat> oh, like comfortably 15-20 times wow, how many okay. times have you watched it sober it's zero yeah. cut that one more time we are um, <laughs> yeah it just there's so much that's so inspiring for any young filmmaker for any he's set the precedent for if you think yeah you can't do it just go out there and just try as many ludicrous things as you can and just just have fun with it and you never know you might make a masterpiece like I, I, I don't like this genre, if I'm honest. Okay. So there's only so much that it could do. Yeah, there's only there's only so much I could I could appreciate it. I did like it. I I could, as I've already said, objectively there were some fantastic bits to it and some fantastic set pieces, some fantastic visuals to it. But you know, people talk about the leg. Well, you've already talked about you know the kind of the legacy it left behind, the contribution it made to this genre, um, however niche horror comedy is. Um, and I can't appreciate that. I, I, I haven't seen enough horror comedy. I haven't seen enough horror. I haven't seen enough of of, of that. Th- these kind of films to really understand a- and put it or judge it relative to that. So, so in my opinion, it would be a three. Again, which which is a full house of threes for the for this for this week's episode. It happens. It does. It does. I think it's pretty obvious. It's a it's a five star film. It's in- what would you give the first one? Uh, I'd give the first one probably a four. Okay. I think it's very enjoyable, but very standard. 
So is this a rare occurrence where the sequel is actually better than this? This is one of those rare beasts, but this film is in my top ten of all time and is every time it makes me it makes me smile with glee. <laughs> like I, d- I think I first watched it when I was like an adult, so it's not like I've really got much nostalgia, but I just remember being caught off guard by just how wacky and bizarre and yeah, inventive it is. But yeah, it's just it's just a staggering and it is one of the cult films as well. Like it's, you almost like the Warriors. It's become so trendy and so well known that it's almost not a cult film. Like Clockwork Orange is no longer a cult film. Pulp Fiction is no longer a cult film. Mm. It's, it's in such a part of the mainstream. And I think this certainly is treading that very fine line. But yeah, it's it's just utter perfection. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's four from me. It does, but it, it would. I appreciate it for what it is, and I think it would be a lot higher if I liked this sort of film. But unfortunately, I don't. And I can really appreciate how ridiculous it is at times, <laughs> but also how really groundbreaking and sublime it is at others. It, it is, it's really frightening at parts, but also hilarious to laugh at and with at others. I would thoroughly recommend it to anyone. Re- really, really would. I'm not sure I'm mixing the circles where I could recommend this kind of film. <laughs> you guys work in the go, film industry. Go to work on yeah. one. <laughs> like, All right, guys, got one for you. Yeah. It makes a good B-side to Beauty and the Beast as well. Let all the bits, all the stuff in the house comes alive. <laughs> and the reindeer, the taxidermy reindeer starts. <laughs> <laughs> it's just terrible. Oh. It's very good. And on next time on our the continuing podcast that is Straight Jack. <laughs> uh, oh, because we're doing a, a a midway point hiatus brief recess in the podcast, listeners, um, we're going to do one new release, um, and then we're actually going to do an origins theme, and we're going to discuss uh, the two films that make up the title of our podcast, as is often asked, uh, which was due to a... How would you it's describe it? Just a mix-up, really. Mix just a up. just a yeah. just a vintage mix-up. We won't name James. We won't name James. <laughs> we won't name James. Um, but I've Freudian slip there. <laughs> I've got I've got the new release. What did you uh, go for, Ian? Oh, the new release, which is out in cinemas now. A French film, uh, which was at Cannes last year, called L. Uh, and are you fighting between yourselves for the other two? Uh, which leaves James on, so on the, the post two thousand. Yeah, Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> <laughs> the pre. And I've gone for straight time. You both sound so dissatisfied with your choices, but you've made them now, and you can lie in it.